Well, what a week we've had. A very moving and royal inauguration here in the United States. A surprising and refreshing election result in Israel. Voters there seem to push back against a future dominated by the old, known, and predictable, voting instead for the fresh, the unknown, and the possible. After a week like that, we arrive here tonight for a very special Shabbat. This Shabbat is Tu Bishvat. Tu Bishvat is the 15th day of the month of Shvat. It's the new year of trees, an Arbor Day, a Jewish Arbor Day of sorts, a day that has had a modern renaissance in our environmentally conscious circles. Tonight and tomorrow, we celebrate the miracle of life on this planet, life in all forms, furry and green, winged and rooted. This Shabbat also is distinctly a Shabbat of Shira, Shabbat Shira, Shabbos of song, literally, so-called for the song sung in the weekly Torah portion by Moses and the Israelites upon their miraculous crossing of the Reed Sea and, of course, their salvation from the pursuing Egyptian army. But before we get there, before we arrive at the Song of the Sea, Shirat Hayam, we need to look at what transpires right before the Israelites arrive at the Sea of Reeds, the actual exodus from the land of Egypt itself. And to preface that preface with a teaching from Rav Nachman of Breslov, the great Rav Nachman of Breslov said that in life there are two kinds of fear. And luckily in Hebrew we have two words to denote those feelings. The first state, he said, is called pachad. Pachad. Pachad is a fear of something. You can put your finger on it. But it turns out that that thing is really a phantom. There is an object. There is a projection. There is something to locate. But that pachad mind, that pachad mind when looked at deeply, that pachad mind discloses nothing there. The second state of fear is called nora. Nora, usually termed awesome, like awesome, but different than awesome. It means the numinous, the pushing forward into the unknown, and the excitement that is part and parcel of the growth process. Nora has majestic qualities. It feels like fear, but it isn't. We'll talk about Nora tomorrow. I see all of you here at 11 o'clock. <laughs> Back to the Exodus. That moment immediately before the splitting of the Red Sea and the song is the seminal leave-taking, taking leave of that exists in our tradition. Leave-taking is a universal theme in world religions. Whether it's Moses leaving Egypt or Jesus in the desert or the Buddha leaving his father's royal enclave, 
It has usually been a solitary event, one man, one person, alone. The exodus from Egypt is different. This leave-taking story, which is the seminal moment of our tradition, has the entire people of Israel leaving en masse, an entire community moving from slavery to freedom, from the shackles of oppression, to less than three months later, a direct result of that leaving, an encounter with the transcendent, a revelation at Mount Sinai. Forevermore, Judaism has been known as a communal experience, a taboo. Alti frotsiminatsibor, do not separate yourself from the community. For that reason, leave taking in our tradition must become transformed and reinterpreted. It no longer can mean packing a suitcase, leaving town, but it refers to an inner process, leaving the scattered and confused consciousness we usually occupy and entering a more focused and mindful state. The precise details of this leave-taking from Egypt are described in the beginning of this week's reading, and as a result, Rabbi Alan Liu, may his memory be a blessing in his book, Be Still and Get Going, suggests that this week's reading provides a wonderful paradigm for how to face pachad, how to face fear, how to face those critical moments in our life when we know we have to do something but we have no idea what to do. It is a program for working with pachad mind that Rabbi Lou breaks into five distinct parts or steps. If you will, a travel size of the 12-step program based on five clear verbs that appear in rapid succession. First four of those verbs are offered by Moses, by Moshe Rabbeinu, and the last one is uttered by God. Each verb, a step or a process we engage in when the inevitable moments like those in our Torah portion arise. The Israelites, you recall everybody, and as the Torah turns this week's reading, are in full panic mode. They are terrified. They have just lived through 400 years of slavery, 10 harrowing plagues that culminate with an angel of death dancing through the homes of the Israelites and the Egyptians, narrowly escaping with their clothing and all of their bags packed, flour rising on their shoulders. The Israelites leave, and there's a sense of, <sighs> okay. But Pharaoh changes his mind. And as our reading opens tomorrow morning, the Israelites are caught at Pihachirot. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with the sea of reeds before me and the Egyptians behind me. At this point, the Israelites, in what Rabbi Luke calls a Henny Youngman moment, say this. They turn to Moses and maybe on Moses and say, weren't there enough graves in Egypt that you had to take us out of here to the desert to die? 
Isn't this exactly what we were talking about in Egypt when we said, let us be and we'll serve the Egyptians? Because it is better to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert? This is the moment. Our marriage isn't working. We're working on it night and day. We can't move forward. We can't move backwards. We throw up our hands. Our child should be perfect in school and out of school. We've tried every which way. It doesn't work. We've been at the same job for 20 years. We're afraid to leave. We're afraid of the future. We can't go back. And we're stuck. We are so stuck that the notion of freedom is scarier than the notion of slavery. The mind doing its dance. The mind with its stories and its games. This isn't exactly a good moment to make a decision. Or it is. Listen to what our teacher Moshe advises us in those five verbs that we hinted at before. Says Moshe Rabbeinu, Vayomer Moshe elaam al And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Verb one. Hityatzvu. Collect yourselves. Uru and see. Es Yeshuas Adonai, the salvation of Adonai. God will fight on your behalf. And you will be still. And God speaks to Moses in the fifth verb. Why do you scream to me? Speak to the children of Israel, the Israelites, and tell them to just get going. So here's the plan, everybody. Five steps. Count them with me. Al tira'u. Don't be afraid. Hityatzvu. Gather yourselves together. Uru. See clearly. Tacharishun. Be still. Ve'isau. Get going. Al tira'u. Don't be afraid. Not that you're not going to be afraid, not that you're not allowed to be afraid. You will feel fear. That's unavoidable. But don't be governed by that fear. Don't let that fear dominate your mind. Don't run after your fear. Don't be a victim of that thing that is scaring you. Consciously or unconsciously, says Krishnamurti, we avoid facing things as they are in themselves, and so we want God to open a door for us which is beyond. But to find life's purpose, we must go through the door ourselves. Altira'u, don't let your fear dominate your mind. Okay, then what? Two, hityatsvu. Collect yourself together. The word nitziv comes from the Ugaritic term for construction. Get all of your building materials together. Bring it all together. Gather yourself. Be solid. Stand firm. Allow yourself to stand in. 
And three, ru'u, see clearly. With eyes that are unblemished by fear, in a mind that has stopped and is standing still, gather yourself in and see. Our spiritual practices are those that engage us to face ourselves. Mark Nippo writes, What saves us from ourselves is the power of our honest gaze, which remains a cleansing agent that can wash out whatever thickens within us and wash off whatever grows over us. As a cleansing agent, self-reflection is indispensable to staying fully alive. We wouldn't think of, of going more than a few days without washing and showering. So think of facing yourself, he says, as spiritual hygiene. Facing ourselves as spiritual hygiene. The fourth step. Tacharishun means to be still. And it isn't an action as much as a consequence of the previous three. We stop running and letting our fears run us around. We gather ourselves and collect ourselves and we look deeply. And as a consequence, stillness arises, the fruit of our practice. And from that stillness, Rabbi Lu says, all four of those verbs being uttered by Moses by human agents, the fifth verb comes from God as if to say, now get going. But wait, you said be still. But from that ground of calmness and from that place of clarity, what needs to happen will emerge. The decision that you're trying to make from a place of fear will not arrive. It won't give you solace, it won't give you tranquility, it won't give you an answer. But when we are calm, when we gather ourselves together, it's possible then to see what it is that has to be done. We are indeed standing on the lip of the sea, each and every one of us. Our forces of habit, our forces of past experiences flood over us at every moment. Life's big decisions and small ones together can pose a great challenge, telling us to pull back, to retreat, go backwards, not forwards, align ourselves with the voice of the status quo. It lobbies us to accept what was rather than stand still and stare down our phantoms and reveal them for what they are, which is empty. I say, don't do it to you. I say, don't do it to myself. Don't give in to fear. Don't run after our fear. On this holiday, which is the birthday of the trees, listen to the voice of the Midrash that says that every blade of grass in the entire known universe has an angel that gives it a little clop every day. It hits it over the head like a Zen stick. And you know what it says, that angel? Gadel, grow. Each and every blade of grass, each and every tree has an angel that says, grow. Each and every one of us has a voice that says, grow, take a step. One of the songs the trees and life teach us each year is the song of growing. 
It teaches us that winters come and go and springs arrive. Each of us is compelled to incline towards the sun of awareness. We are called to hear the still voice of courage, and we are bound to act from the ground of fearlessness, which is our birthright. In a new book that just came out by, again, third time tonight, Mark Nepo, and this isn't the plug. Proceeds are not going to Roman, I promise, but someone who lived through cancer, many bouts of cancer, wrote a book, Finding Inner Courage, and he writes, Despite the countless distractions and obstacles that we face each day, life is a journey of approaching a horizon that we never arrive at. The journey is sometimes made alone and sometimes with others, but the approach over a lifetime, if faced openly and honestly, hones us into an instrument of living that turns suffering into a music, that turns suffering into a music that is bewitching and healing, a music we call love. And he writes, if we are blessed to endure the distractions and move through the obstacles, we discover a curious law of inner alchemy. The closer we get to the light, the more fully we are lighted. The closer we get to the truth and beauty, the more truthful and beautiful we become. As the Argentinian writer Borges said, any life, no matter how long and complex it may be, is made up of a single moment, the moment in which a person finds out once and for all, who they are. So tomorrow is the day of Nora, of crossing over the sea and singing a song. Tomorrow we'll talk about song. But tonight we talk about that place that each of us has to go through. Each of us must be able to master to some degree these five simple steps if we are to cleanse the spirit and keep it hygienic. We haven't arrived at the other side tonight. We haven't stepped into the sea, and we're not asking it to split just yet. But we will. You will. May each of us be blessed to face life's difficult questions and decisions with clarity and courage. And may we hear and know the still, small voice that whispers to us, be still and get going. Amen.